Welcome to Rethinking the News from the Christian Science Monitor. I'm Clay Collins, one of its editors. Here's another episode of People Making a Difference, an audio extension of the Monitor's long-running series about individuals and organizations working to advance progress. You'll hear the backstories of some of the people you may have read about in the Monitor and the stories of others you haven't yet met. These episodes are hosted by Dave Scott, the Monitor's audience engagement editor. When you get a group of kids working on anything together, it can go in many different directions. And I think you have to know that you're going to have some conflict. And every classroom has a peace table, and they put like a globe on the table. And so I've just brought that concept to Global Gardens. And it's just the idea that we can work out conflicts by speaking to each other respectfully and working together. That's Heather Oakley Rippey, founder of Global Gardens. From the outside, Global Gardens teaches pre-K through sixth grade kids about gardening at 15 schools in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And they run three family food farms or community gardens. But what drew my attention is the Global Gardens approach to teaching how to deal with conflict, arguably a critical life skill in today's racially and politically polarized world. And it's one of the three core values behind their work, science, peace, and empowerment. Welcome to People Making a Difference, a podcast about people who are step-by-step making a better world. I'm Dave Scott. Heather started this effort by working with low-income students in the Harlem neighborhood of New York City while she was getting a master's degree at Columbia University in science and peace education. Then she moved back home to Tulsa and started Global Gardens in 2007. I asked her how she got started. I just became really passionate about educating through experiences and allowing children to have voice in what they were participating in and curate their own experience driven by their curiosity. And so that's what I started to see little peaks of as a science teacher, getting kids out of the classroom, taking them to Central Park, working on just planting seeds in little pots. And mm-hmm. like, and I understand how any science teacher would turn to maybe botany or gardening to as a way of teaching science that gets them out of the classroom and gets them hands-on. But the idea of teaching peace and empowerment seems a little bit different to me, but yet those are core concepts. So help me understand how those three relate to each other. Yes. I'd love to. So really quickly, too, I want to touch on the science piece because, yes, it is botany and it is like a physical science. But also, I feel like Global Gardens is really good at teaching scientific thinking, which is, in in essence, really critical thinking and learning to ask really good questions and identify curiosities that we want to learn more about, which, in my opinion, drives all learning how does a scientist think and how can we be more like scientists in our thinking, I think is a really exciting skill to teach children. And then the peace and empowerment part. When you get a group of kids working on anything together, it can go in many different directions. And I think you have to know that you're going to have some conflict 
when we're all working in the same space and sharing materials and supplies and even ideas? And how do we do that peacefully? And how do we cooperate with each other in a way that we can have a desired outcome or just a positive experience? And then the empowerment piece of if you do those two things really well, teaching critical thinking, asking questions, working together in a peaceful way, working out conflicts, kids are going to be naturally empowered. Can you give me an example of what you've learned from your students about how to teach peace and empowerment? So there are things that happen in a Global Gardens after-school program that I think are really critical to the students' kind of success. One, for example, is community circle. And I had never thought to do a community circle to start out the program, but the students would come into my after-school program so wired and exhausted and beat down by their day that we have to do something to refocus these kids and, and get everyone on the same page and get them to a calm place and erase the day. So I came up with this idea of sitting around in a circle and so we're breathing in the parts of our day that we want to hold on to and we're breathing out the parts of our day that we want to let go of and start fresh. And I would say that's something that the students just showed me what that they needed. And then it worked really well and it was really effective. At this point, Global Gardens educator Jenny Yoder joins our conversation. She's been teaching mostly low-income elementary school kids in Tulsa for the past four years. I think everything Heather said, 100%. In Global Gardens, and especially in our after-school program, we have students determine a theme for their garden that expresses something about themselves to the world and to their community. And they're creating decorations, collecting materials that they add to their garden. Can you give me like an example? So the second graders file in and you start a community circle and then what happens? How are they deciding on what their theme is for their garden or what they're going to call it or whatever? We call it dreaming and theming. So students are really encouraged to reflect about themselves and and dream a little bit. Sometimes kids will say, I want a cupcake garden or I want a unicorn garden, which is really cool. But I want to know what that says about you as a person, because this garden is one way that we can share our thoughts and express ourselves to our community. Oh, I was going to say, too, some of our students might have a home culture that might be different from like the dominant culture in the school and maybe talking a little bit and bringing that out and working so that the student is proud of their culture and can maybe use the garden as a way to learn more about maybe where their parents came from. I had one student who had a fire garden because he, his heritage is Chukis. So Chuk is an island nation in Micronesia. And his dad loves a certain spicy pepper that you can't, it's hard to find here, but they ate it all the time in Chuk. And so he wanted to grow lots of spicy foods and actually looked through a seed catalog with rare seeds and found a similar pepper to the one that his dad liked in Chuk. And so he grew that as part of his 
fire garden. And he stacked bricks around the outside to make it look like a fire pit. And he made flames out of wood that he placed around his garden and really was creative with the way that he expressed that. Maybe a student wants to grow a pizza garden. And so you could grow the ingredients or toppings for pizza. A pollinator garden, you could research different pollinator plants. I think I would enjoy a pizza garden, but I want to go back to some of the other concepts of peace and empowerment a little bit more here. I think I read on your site that you have the process of establishing group expectations with the kids and then using a peace table to resolve conflicts. Can you explain those ideas and how they work? I tended to believe that if students come up with the expectations that they have for their group, they have a lot more buy-in on following those expectations as opposed to if a, a teacher comes in with his or her ideas of the way things should go. And it just starts with a discussion of what do we want our time together to look like. And teaching for 10 years, students really always agree that they want to be respected and they want to be heard and they want to be kind to each other. And we come up with a fairly simple list of what do we expect from each other and what do we expect from ourselves so that can guide our time and our experience and how we speak to each other and how we interact with each other. And once you've got those expectations you write those down, do you like review them regularly or how do they remember what those expectations are? Well, in, in my classroom, I always, we, it was like a big poster that we put on the wall. So sometimes we would paint it on like plywood and put it on the wall or on the poster board. If we have an issue, even just coming in and getting settled for a community circle or when someone's talking, a teacher might just point to the expectations and say, remember what we agreed on? They're not my rules for you. They're your rules for yourself. So let's stay true to what we decided. It's giving the students a little bit more power and a little bit more responsibility over themselves. You also referenced a peace table to resolve conflicts. Can you address that idea? I did not invent that. When I was in New York City, so I did teach for three years in Harlem. And then my last year in New York, I taught at the United Nations International School. I was a third grade teacher. And one thing that school does is they have a peace table. Every classroom has a peace table and they put like a globe on the table. And that's so I just brought that concept to Global Gardens. And it's just the idea that we can work out conflicts by speaking to each other respectfully and working together. And that's really such a focus of Global Gardens and teaching them that skill so they could take it home or take it into their other relationships outside of Global Gardens of just learning how to communicate through a conflict or a disagreement or anything. So one of our garden educators, Mary, shared that she had two students in her program who tended to yell when they got upset. Tamara and Javiana got into lots of arguments where they would escalate really quickly into yelling. So they visited the peace table with Mary, their facilitator, and they were sharing why they were upset. Mary's asking follow-up questions to dig a little bit deeper with them. And then eventually everyone realized that Tamara and Javiana were upset about the same thing, which was feeling disrespected and fear of being unheard. 
And so it was like a light bulb moment for both of them. And so they made an agreement that they would really try to listen to one another so they didn't feel they had to yell. So, you know, the rest of program wasn't just perfect for the rest of the year they were together. But whenever things would get tense, then Mary could remind them and ask, can we trust each other to really listen? And that would help them remember that they can really talk things through because they had that connection at the peace table. Mm -hmm. I have found that if you give kids the space to really explore their feelings and and express them safely, they're 100% capable of reflecting and identifying that root, whatever is really going on. And often it's the things that are the root of adults' feelings too. Feeling unheard, feeling disrespected, feeling rejected. And if you provide them that safe place to work through that, kids will use it. Are the challenges facing Tulsa kids today different from, say, 2007 when you when you started the program, Heather? The real challenges for the students that I was working with was keeping them in school. Where we started Eugene Field, I remember there are four apartment complexes that fed into the school. And at one point, someone in the neighborhood just was looking for a student who was going to finish high school, and there were none. Hmm. And so I really wanted to connect with kids in a way that would get them excited about learning and excited about staying in school and excited about thinking about their future. There were gangs and drugs and all of that, but we never talked about like don't be in a gang or don't, but we talked about what do you want for yourself? And then how do you make the decisions to like make those things happen? And that's, so connected with what do you want for your garden and what steps are you going to take to create this garden that you want? What do you want for yourself next year? Jenny, when you hear that, do you think the the context for these kids has changed much? I do feel like there is this undercurrent of awareness about like global issues, and maybe that is because of social media and everyone has access to all of the news all of the time from around the world. Kids do bring these worries and awareness of whether it be racial violence or environmental collapse or politics, just different stressful things that are going on in our world. So it does sometimes come up in program. And I feel like our approach is really to make space for them to express their worries and fears and to not have a quick answer or to placate, but to empathize. You know, we're all experiencing this difficult place that we all live, but also to use imagination and that hope that Heather was talking about because kids have amazing imagination and you have to have imagination to have hope. You're imagining how the world could be different. And so I feel like we encourage kids to think about the power they do have to positively impact their friends, their school, their community. For example, a few summers ago, one after-school program was really concerned about people experiencing homelessness and planned an event to raise money for homeless youth. So they got food donated and had a local musician come play and invited the community And they raised several hundred dollars to provide toiletry kits for youth in the area experiencing homelessness. 
And that was their way of putting their, what they wanted, which was that no youth would be on the street, into action. So Jenny, you told a Monitor reporter that gardening is a metaphor for life, but you also said that gardening can be disappointing. Can you tell me about that metaphor? We certainly treat gardening as an experiment because it's not all in our control. There are so many factors and we just do our best. But it sometimes will work and it sometimes won't. But especially with the disappointment, you have to decide whether if your radishes didn't grow, am I going to give up? And yeah, just what do I do with that disappointment? Do I stick at it? Do I ask for help? Do I maybe take a moment to be sad, but then try again? And of course, things go wrong in life. Many of our students have already experienced really difficult things. And that resilience, even in something small like a seed, can really help you in life. So I want to ask this question, and Jenny, you've hinted at that just now. How has working for Global Gardens transformed you? I'll say, for me, it's so personal. So this is Heather. How Global Gardens transformed me, for me, Global Gardens was my life dream to create a program like Global Gardens. And the fact that... The concept resonated so well with students. It empowered me incredibly. I should note that today, Heather is a consultant to Global Gardens. She stepped away from the day-to-day management five years ago. But under the new executive director, Marianne Donahue, The program continues to grow with annual funding of a million dollars and a staff of 22 people. I'm just so thankful. I just have so much gratitude to everyone involved. So, yes, I'm blown away by this and the people who are invested and continue to work on the mission and just all of the students who are a part of it and are open to this brand new experience of growing gardens. I mean, it's incredible. And how about you, Jenny? How has working at Global Gardens changed you? I feel like being involved with Global Gardens has made me a more hopeful person. I think I'm more willing to try things, take risks. I think sometimes we feel, with whatever cause we're passionate about, that we're fighting against everyone else a little bit, but I don't know that that's really true. I think a lot of people want the world to be a better, more peaceful, more equitable place. And we just don't always know how to make it happen. And so working with kids and and then reaching out to adults to help amplify their voices and make their dreams happen has shown me that adults also want the same things. We've just got bogged down by all the bureaucracy and the bigger picture. Whereas kids still know that we can do anything, which is pretty cool. That's great. You'll notice we didn't talk much about gardening or botany or pollination. That's because at its core, Global Gardens isn't about creating little gardeners. It's a program about raising children to think for themselves 
to learn how to resolve their differences, manage their emotions, develop confidence. And as Jenny said, that's pretty cool. So is there a peace table in your home? The next time someone gets angry, try sitting down after they cool off and seeing if really listening makes a difference. Call me and tell me how it goes. Call me at 617-450-2410 and leave me a voice message about what happened. That's 617-450-2410. I'd like to thank Global Gardens Executive Director, Mary Ann Donahue, for making today's podcast possible. And thanks for listening to People Making a Difference, a podcast about people who are step-by-step making a better world. This podcast is produced by the Christian Science Monitor. Copyright 2021.